in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. people so pretty good yeah it's really good for knowing nothing how you doing andy here i'll tell you guys that, boys? okay um not a whole lot what's up with you no i'm signing uh signing the lease tomorrow nice so all approved and everything very good randy's moving back up to minneapolis huh yes he is very good. Very good. Um, I started recording. Should we just cold open the podcast? Yeah. Let's do it. Before uh, I say anything too bad. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Masters week was tremendous as always. I mean, not as exciting maybe as some people wanted, but I thought there was still uh, on Sunday still some excitement, especially with how, the way Rory played and kind of putting a little bit of pressure on Scotty Scheffler uh, when he finished at seven under when Rory did after the hole out. And we can talk about that. I, I think we definitely need to, to hit on the Nick Faldo aspect of that. But it, it was somewhat <laughs> exciting from my perspective, Andy. I, I was very much engaged in it. I had uh, a master's pick and pool. I was in Parker's pick and pool. Apparently, I lost by nine shots, even though my four guys combined were nine under. <clears throat> and I didn't think anybody else had Scotty Scheffler. But clearly, somebody had Scheffler and probably Rory. Um, but I was pretty dialed in, just hoping that Scotty would go as low as possible, hoping Justin Thomas would go as low as possible, and, and as well as Morikawa. Those are the three guys I had um, of the four. I picked Spieth as well, who finished six over, which killed me. Um, but I didn't win my master's pool, unfortunately. I thought for the majority of the day that I was going to win it by a landslide uh, until Parker sent me a message on Monday saying, yeah, you lost by nine shots. Um, but other than that, I, I had a pretty enjoyable master's experience. How about you? I, the thing that I don't like this year is, is a term that my dad uses is, um, is hate watch when it comes to golf, when a guy has a big lead and you're rooting for him to collapse and Scotty Shuffler is a pretty likable guy. Like I was completely fine with him winning winning the masters uh but wanted it to be more exciting uh towards the end and he waited till 18 um to uh to four putt and uh um, <laughs> trim that down a little bit max Holm had a great tweet he said might as well just six putt just to say you did it yeah um <laughs> but um yeah i mean it was i mean scotty was by far the best player in the field he's the number one player in the world and he's won four out of the last six times he's seated up um, I mean, it was, um, I mean, as much as I was hoping Rory would find his way into it, um, he didn't. Um, and I think it's, I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't birdie 15 or 16. Uh, he didn't birdie two and he had 190 yards into the green after his tee shot that he hit like 375 yards. Um, and then he missed a short birdie on nine. So like that was a, that was a 64 that could have very well been a 60. Yeah. Uh, he did still, He did have a couple off the green, though. At least I think it was 10 or 11 where he, he putted in or might have chipped yep. in off the green. I mean, there were still some incredible shots, but when yeah. you talk about a guy who shot 64, one off the course record at, uh, at Augusta, then, yeah, there was plenty of shots that could have gone his way, too. 
and even if even if he even if he breaks the course record and shoots sixty two, like Scotty's probably not for putting the last hole. And we, would that even have? I don't know if that would have even mattered because um, he ended up what, winning by three. Yep, he um, was ten under. Like that, that wouldn't have even mattered. So yeah. Um, but just to I mean, have probably, the lead be half as much as it was, instead of having a five-shot lead going into the last hole, having only a two-shot lead would have definitely made things more interesting. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, that drive would have been more interesting. He he got into trouble on um, on Saturday. Uh, hit one of the best three irons of um, you know probably maybe the one of the best three irons in in Masters history. I don't know how many great three irons are out are out there. Um, yeah, Nick, Nick Faldo thought he was, uh, going to lay up to 80 yards and, and try to get up and down, but no, Scotty sent that thing over the green, over a back pin, probably carried it 240 yards uphill. Uh, I mean, just all the gas behind that. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't the first of Nick Faldo's, um, let's call it, uh, uh, announcer miscues this weekend. Yeah, he was awful. I mean, I normally don't mind him, and I don't know if there's a big contingency of, of golf fans that are against him, at least before the weekend, but I, I think there's a large contingency now of, of people on, on golf Twitter, if you will, that are really quite upset with the way he handled the, the Masters, especially that moment where they were showing the, the Scheffler-Smith group and Faldo, I think they're on 12 or maybe 14 or something, uh, and then Faldo's like, oh, something amazing just happened. You're not even going to believe it. I don't, I don't want to say anything more to give it away, but it was incredible. And then nobody else were like, Nance doesn't really know what to say because obviously he just ruined the moment, did Nick Faldo. And then immediately they cut back over to Rory out of the bunker on 18. It's like, oh, this is obviously going to go in. And it's like when they show somebody who's 10 over on the final day and not named Tiger Woods and he's teeing off on 16 and you're like, Oh, I won't, this is obviously going to be either in the hole or a super good shot because there's no way they'd show this dude right now. Uh, just hit a random tee shot, but it was so much worse than that because it was an all time chip in from Rory in an impossible spot with an impossible pin. And they said it on the uh, commentary. I think it was Faldo actually who said it once they did finally cut over to that shot was, he was like, this is impossible. There's no way. You, you're just guessing at this point. And then sure enough, it rolls in. And fortunately, he didn't spoil the Colin Morikawa chip in just moments after that. Uh, but that was going to be a sweet moment for the Masters, on, uh, for Rory to finish out 7-under. You never know at that point because Scheffler still had five or six holes left to play. And, and with the nerves coming down the stretch, he was a little nervy in the beginning. Settled in, uh, like seven through 11 and then, and then just cruise to a victory after that. But that moment could have been huge and Faldo completely spoiled it. Yeah. And then I, I don't blame it on him. And then he had the, um, uh, I think it was Dottie messed up, um, saying Scotty had a nine iron when he was going for the green on 15. Um, actually a little, little inside baseball, um, podcast I was listening to, um, talking how caddies actually, um, uh, will flash the TV people what club they're hitting, and four it's something like four up is a nine iron and four down is a is a four iron maybe, and Caddy probably just gave the wrong sign to the spotter. So Dottie gets a Dottie gets a pass there, but but Nick Faldo gets no passes. We need him off the, uh, the CBS broadcast. Uh, I think Nick Faldo is ready to see him go too. 
and not Nick Feldo, uh, Jim Nance is ready to see him go too. Yeah. I don't really know what you do after that because he completely spoiled the moment. I wonder if he, if anybody at CBS said anything to him or if there's any conversation from the production team about that because there absolutely should have been. It was a complete blunder uh, from, now, from an outside side of things. Now, I don't know what, what bias is this showing, but it was a very Tony Romo-like thing to do. Like, if Tony Romo had done that, like, ooh, ooh, Jim, <laughs> right? Like, yep. If you'd have done that, oh, Jim, I can't believe what I just saw here in 18. Like, I think it's different. Maybe it's an anti-English bias. Um, but Nick Fowler, just the way he did it, <laughs> was like he spoiled the surprise party yeah. um, for everyone. And the fact that he had the balls to say after ruining it, I don't want to ruin anything here. I don't want to spoil <laughs> anything here. Dude, you just spoiled it. We know whatever <laughs> shot, whoever you're cutting to next, just hold out. It's it's like, what do you... And I... I we had a good idea that it was Rory because they just showed Rory in the bunker. He went from bunker to bunker on 18 and then Faldo comes in this an impossible shot. I don't want to spoil it, but I already did spoil it. And it, it was just what could have been. Um, although it, it didn't matter because, because Scotty played so well, his wedges were unbelievable. And I really think the, the pivotal moment uh, on Sunday and for the entire tournament was that chip in on three, where Dottie also is another announcer blunder. Dottie said he couldn't see the flag. He could clearly see the flag. They had a camera guy kneeling behind him, and you could see just the top half of the flag. You couldn't see the whole impossible chip. He had hit his drive way left on the third hole into the trees, got a, I think he took a drop um, just off the pine straw, chipped one up to the green, rolls all the way back down. Cam Smith then has a chip and a little closer, but still a pretty difficult chip, and from the similar side, uh, that Scotty was on, he does the exact same thing. So a, a complete missed opportunity for Cam Smith there. And at that point, he was just one shot back, I believe, because uh, he yep. went he went birdie birdie on one two, and he was one shot back. Has a chance to put one on the green, make a par or even a birdie to potentially take the lead or even tie things up. Scotty then with an impossible chip to that pin. I mean that was so uh, you can say good. I, I think it was more luck. Definitely some of both. He plays it low. He just runs one up there. And it had some decent speed on it. It was definitely going to go by the hole if it didn't hit dead center of the stick and then drop in. But for that shot to go in for him there and for him to make a three, get back to 11 under, uh, and then have Cam Smith do what he did, which chips over the green, or over the not over the green, but over the hole, has a really difficult putt coming back down the hill ends up making bogey. That's a three-shot swing in my book right there that really changed the entire, entire course of the rest of the day for both Smith and for Scotty Scheffler. That's going to go down as one of the most, I don't, I don't know if you can say most clutch because it was only the third hole. It's not up there with Tiger's shot on 16 from, I think that was 05, uh, where he chipped in from off the green where the ball just hangs on the lip forever. Uh, everyone has seen that chip on, on ESPN a million times, but it was in that same ballpark, I would say, in that same category. And if it was later on in the round, it would be one of the best chips of all time. And I think that moment uh, was just a huge, huge turning point for the rest of Sunday's round. And for Scotty, who said after the round that that morning, Sunday morning, he was crying to his his uh, wife that he just wasn't ready for the moment. He wasn't ready to be in the final group of the Masters with a three-shot lead and a chance to win a green jacket at the age of 25. And uh, he ends up doing it. Pretty cool, pretty impressive stuff out of Scotty Scheffler all week. 
Um, Andy, any other notes you had? Any other thoughts? And, and BG, feel free to jump in too if you saw anything. I know you were tuning in a little bit during the uh, the work week, as many of us were as well. This is this is super golfy, but I thought the changes to the course were uh, were excellent. Uh, they lengthened 15, and it was playing into the wind too, which made it pretty long. Uh, there wasn't an eagle there all week, um, but that that layup for those guys. Like the, the water is going to come and play whether they go for the greener layup. And if you lay up, you're just delaying, you know, the, the, the opportunity to go into the water. And I thought it was interesting on Saturday on 15, Scotty lays up um, third shot goes over just over the back of the green and he three putts for bogey and out of position on Sunday with a big lead. Um, he goes for it. And in his post interview, he, made some comment how like after 15 he told his caddy like there's no way he's like laying up there again he's in that layup shot he's just gonna go for it so um like like the course changes um there's a lot of good golfers right now um and we didn't even talk about tiger woods <laughs> yep and he so, finished 47th uh, and it was uh i don't know how to say it but it, he started out hot i guess and then kind of fell off as the week went on he, his limp is more noticeable on Sunday. He just looked a little tired and he just didn't have, you know, the game that he needed to have to, to be competitive, but he made it to the weekend, 22nd straight masters cut made. So he, uh, he was there. Um, and with that, I want to bring up one last golf debate and I saw the, some of the bar stool guys talking about this. And my dad was talking about this. I'm sure many, many of our, uh, older, you know, fathers or grandpas or anybody in that kind of range doesn't love Tiger probably as much as, as the younger generation who grew up watching him does. But it seems like that they make Tiger out to be, and this is maybe just more Tiger lovers, but they make Tiger out to seem like a victim sometimes. Like he was the victim of a car crash when it, in reality, he's coming back from his own fault. I mean, he was most likely intoxicated under some the influence of something going a ridiculous speed down a hill around a corner and nearly killed himself in a car crash. And then he gets this sort of comeback, which I was pumped to see him there. And I was pumped to see Tiger back, back on a golf course and playing golf, but he gets this treatment. Like he's sometimes a victim. Do you see it that way, Andy? Um, I mean, it's a Maybe yes. I mean, I, I think it's just the, like, the Tiger Mania is just insane. And I think um, after, like, what he went through or what the media put him through in 2000, you know, 2008, 2009, like, I feel like this is, like, not that he wasn't deserving of criticism back then, um, but for the first time probably in, like, sports media history, um, like the way that the media kind of went after him and he had, um, Billy Payne, the chairman at Augusta national, the, the following year at Augusta, like chastising him, like he was his son, um, to the media. Um, and now, now I don't want to say like they're doing it, like the talk around it is to make up for that. Um, but I don't know, like that's, I, I, I try to think of things, um, take a step back and at least look at all the. The, the the things Tiger has gone through. Um, and I think part of the reason why we don't want to 
put the blame on him is because we're all rooting for the comeback and it makes us easy. It makes it easier for us to celebrate as fans. Um, when, you know, when, when we portray him as the victim, when he does come back and when he does have success to root for him, um, and to take joy in that. Yeah. And I, I can see it both ways. I know there's you know, people like Dave Portnoy who he doesn't like Tiger Woods at all. And he, and I know there's a lot of people in that generation that don't like Tiger because a lot of his, basically all of his problems were self-induced other than maybe the back injuries and that kind of stuff. Um, but everything else he's done in his life, all the controversies has always been self-induced and he gets treatments sometimes I think like he's somewhat of a victim of, of some terrible misfortune where in reality it's the misfortune that he created upon himself. Uh, and maybe that's just the, the you're, you're going to get looked at under a microscope if, you, if you're Tiger Woods, if you're one of the greatest, if not the greatest golfer uh, of all time. So it, it's an interesting, I think, storyline to kind of look at and to analyze. Uh, and I don't know if there's one right answer or not. And now let's go over to our live correspondent in Minneapolis for the play-in game tonight. By the time this episode comes out, Parker, we will know the results of, of tonight's play-in game. So we won't talk too much about the game, but I think give us a, a vibe for what downtown is like right now. Are there Timberwolves fans everywhere? Is the place going to be sold out tonight? I imagine it is. And how excited are you for this game? Yeah, I just got down here not too long ago, walking the streets here, going over to uh, the Loon Cafe. Uh, shout out to them. I think they're sponsoring this episode. Indeed. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. The, the Loon is uh, packed, Glyph is packed, the streets are packed. I have not seen Minneapolis this busy uh, in quite some time. Um, I was talking to a guy walking down the street here. He said he called Adam Silver to offer his firstborn for a championship. Uh, Didn't turn out how he wanted, but uh, yeah, there's some buzz down here in Minneapolis for sure. Very good. And your prediction for the game tonight, do we knock off the Clippers and get Memphis in the 2-7 matchup in the first round of the playoffs? You know, the, the homer in me is going to say yes 100 times out of 100. But, uh, you know, I, I it's, it's a close game. I believe the spread is three right now. A lot of analysts have the Clippers beating us tonight. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. Paul George, uh, Norman Powell, they're both back for the Clippers. So um, it's going to be a good matchup. Look for the Clippers to go small and try to uh, take Vanderbilt out of the game. He could be a real real factor for the Wolves if he, uh, if he can play big minutes. But I just don't know if it's going to be there tonight. But prediction i'll go with the wolves uh they're, they're gonna win by six oh. wolves are gonna win by six i like it uh and, and you said the wolves are favored by three is that right yeah favored by three uh but a lot of analysts have the upset happening so um should be a good one tonight in minneapolis good stuff who are you going with uh, i am i'm down here with uh jack sawada um, his father, uh, and we are going to be rowdy, um, chirping Amir coffee until we can't any longer. So uh, we'll be doing our part for sure. Very good. Get that home crowd going. Get the quiet-ass fans at Target Center on their feet and rocking tonight, and we'll uh, hopefully cheer on the Wolves to a uh, playoff, a play-in for the playoff. Will do. Thanks for having me on, boys. I will talk to you soon. There we go. That's Parker Lavacek down in Minneapolis ahead of tonight's play in game Parker enjoy the game and uh we're gonna cut him off there with the bad audio but fellas let's let's jump into T-Wolves for just a, a second we'll we'll kind of give our picks but like I said this is episode is going to be 
out after the game is over. So let's let's do some future casting here. BG, do you like the Wolves tonight? Do you think we're we're going to be in the playoffs by the time this episode comes out? I don't think we will be in the playoffs come tomorrow. Um, I'm actually going to take Clippers alternate spread of minus four and a half um, that I'm just making up now. Uh, I think it's going to be a very tough game for the T-Wolves. Clippers are coming together now that they're healthy with everyone but Kawhi. Um, And I just think that veteran um, leadership that they have with Paul George and his playoff experience uh, outbodes Minnesota and their, their hopes to get in with one easy game. And it's just Minnesota sports playoff time, so we've got that going up against us too. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I was looking or listening rather to Paul Allen today on KFAN. It sounds like we haven't beat the Clippers all season when Paul George is in the lineup. I didn't, I didn't do any uh, fact checking on that, but I'm going with what PA said. And and based on that, based on Minnesota sports, like you mentioned, I just feel like there's no way we win tonight. But it, it would be awesome if we did because it's really our only chance to win a series is if we get memphis if we lose this one and then get the uh the, the loser or the winner rather of the 9-10 game it doesn't matter because we're not going to beat the suns and it won't even be close might be a gentleman's sweep at best if we face off with the suns in the first round but i think our only chance is winning tonight getting memphis a team that we've had some success with this regular season andy any thoughts from the wolves um, I mean, my only thought, less so about the Wolves, more so about the NBA. It's just, it's, I get it. Seven, you play six first seven, and then the loser plays the winner of, or uh, nine, or I'm getting this mixed up. Seven verse eight, loser plays the winner of um, nine verse 10. Yep. Like, why can't you just do seven versus 10 and eight versus nine? Like, it just easier on my brain that way. Um, the way they do this playing tournament just, I know it's a little confusing for me. It's a it's a bit of a brain buster, but I think it's probably the right way to do it if you want to have the double elimination. Oh, yeah. Um, for the for and, the seven and the eight. And and I'm not saying it's the wrong way to do it. I think in a couple of years it'll probably be, you know, second nature to most basketball fans. But just taking some getting used to. Yeah, definitely, especially with March Madness and how it's always seven ten, and, and the, it, you never have the the seven. I guess you have the eight nine game, but uh, yeah, it's. It's a little goofy, a little goofy for sure. Um, well, good luck to the T-Wolves tonight. I hope I hope we're in the playoffs by the time this comes out. But let's move on. Um, Wolves playing game tonight. We, we hit that. Twins opened the season over the weekend, four-game series against the Mariners. Uh, as we mentioned, that Thursday opening day, we said it was going to likely be postponed. It ended up being postponed, and they played um, the final game on Monday yesterday. Um, of that four-game series. Twins start out 0-2, a kind of a rough start, uh, and then come storming back in the final two games to even the series at two apiece uh, before moving on to the Dodgers. They were supposed to play Tuesday night against the Dodgers. That game canceled due to rain and just really cold weather here in Minneapolis. Um, But a decent start for the Twins. Buxton swinging the bat really well so far. He's got three home runs. Uh, and they came on three consecutive bat, uh, at-bats going from uh, back a game. But he had three consecutive at-bats uh, with home runs. He's swinging it real good. Gary Sanchez with a hot start coming from the Yankees. He had a, a grand slam on Sunday and I think was a 10 nothing win, 10-something win. Uh, but Twins off to a, a pretty promising start. And 
They also, before the season started, before, after I should say, we podcasted last, Taylor Rogers, who was our closer last season, they traded him to the Padres um, just a, a day or two before the season started. Chris Paddock uh, is who we got in return, and I know nothing about Paddock, and I know you guys aren't big-time baseball minds either, but did you catch any of the opening four games for the Twinkies, either of you? Yeah, I haven't seen any full game yet, but I've caught glimpses of at least three of the games, maybe four. Um, And I guess what I've noticed is that, for the most part, our pitching is off to a good start. I know that's been a problem in the past for the Twins, um, where we're able to hit the ball, hit home runs, but pitching has been what um, has got us these losses in the past. And so far, I forget what our total run count is, but... I think we've let up less than like three runs a game. I'd have to look, but the, the last game shut out the Mariners, which we're not used to doing against anybody. And um, the, the other games thus far, even the losses, we haven't really given up huge numbers. Um, and we didn't back to back in that second game. Um, I think they scored two runs in the ninth to ultimately beat us, which is definitely like twins of the past, but I think so far our, our pitching has been really good um, with a lot of guys I don't recognize by their names. Some young guys that we've pulled up internally, uh, like Joe Ryan, who got the start, and then Duran, who pitched, I believe, that first game and this last game. He has done extremely well. And it's unique to see a guy uh, pitching for the Twins who can pitch over 100 miles per hour. We just seem to never have that firepower. Um, and now we have at least one of those guys. So. I'm excited for the season. I think I'm into it more at the beginning of this season than I was last year. Um, and it's just fun when we're up to bat with all those big-time names and big-time firepower that we have, like Buxton, Correa now, um, Sanchez, and Urshela. I think that's the other Yankee guy we got. Yep. And he's off to a good start, too. So it'll be fun to see uh, what this team can do. I know we're not favorites in our division, but I got to think that we have the talent uh, to win the division, especially if our pitching continues how it started so far this year. Yeah, we got nine home runs um, so far. Gary Sanchez with the grand slam. Buxton's got three, like I mentioned. Polanco's got a homer. Luis Arise, who's batting 550 right now, just nine at bats, but five hits for him. He's got a home run. Ursula, or Ursella, I don't know how you say that. Uh, he's got a homer. Correa's got a homer. And Max Kepler has a homer. So maybe we're going to win that uh, Bomba Squad uh, award again, being the most home runs in the league um, in a single season. That's that's the Twins record from, I think it was 2018, 2019 season, um, but a few years back. But they got the power, and I, I haven't even watched a game yet. I've just been checking box scores and whatnot. But, yeah, BG, we've only given up. The most runs we've given up in a game so far is four so we lost two to one and that was the blown save in the ninth inning like you mentioned uh, on Friday night against the Mariners then it was a three to four loss on Saturday we won ten to four on Sunday and it was four nothing on Monday to even things for the twins at two and two so yeah the pitching I mean just looking at the numbers has been pretty solid and uh, what was the guy you mentioned uh, who pitched yesterday uh, I can't remember his name, but he he's I think they're, they're talking about Duran. He, yeah. he he's not a starter for us. I, he's coming like mid games, both games, but he's been extremely hot. Nice. 
I think I saw an article. I just read the the, the headline of it was he might be our um, our closer because I don't think we really have a closer right now, at least not a solidified one. Uh, so good to see some some headlines about the pitchers at least because that doesn't in, in a positive note because you don't see a lot of positive Twins baseball articles when you're talking about the pitching staff, but. Uh, with with the way the things have started so far, I think there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, and if the weather can ever get warm here in Minneapolis, the target center, target field rather, is going to be rocking. Um, other notes I had on the Twins, I think that was pretty much it. So I don't know what they're going to do with the Dodgers. Uh, they were supposed to play tonight. Um, they're obviously not playing, but... Um, We'll see. They have they're supposed to have an off day on Thursday, so maybe the Dodgers will just stay in town an extra day. Uh, but tomorrow, first pitch uh, Wednesday rather, first pitch is set for twelve ten, an afternoon game. So maybe they'll do a doubleheader tomorrow. I haven't seen anything. They head to Boston over the weekend, a four game series in Boston. So that'll be a tough one. They're on the road then in Kansas City before coming back home next weekend uh, against the White Sox. So uh, baseball's back, fellas. Baseball is back big time, and uh, we don't have our baseball expert on tonight, Zach Briel, uh, Zach Schefter, I should say, uh, but we'll definitely be hitting a lot of baseball in the coming months, especially if the Twins are playing well. Uh, fellas, that's really all I have uh, for Minnesota stuff. I know the Wild are in action. I haven't been watching them much, but I'll get back into it uh, with playoffs coming. I think, think they still have. Like 11 games left. Um, they're playing on tonight, Tuesday. So by the time this comes out, it'll be 10 games left. Uh, but I think the Wild are doing fairly decent. They were down 3 nothing in a game over the weekend. Came back to win it 6-3, I think it was. Um, it was six unanswered goals for the Wild. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of what they do, come from behind kids. NFL draft coming up in 15 days from now. I want to say, and I know we haven't talked NFL draft at all. We're going to have Davis Kim on in a few weeks to uh, discuss where the where the Vikings are looking. I know many people have, have speculated it might be a corner. Um, it might also be a linebacker or somebody on the defensive line, but we'll talk all of that NFL draft stuff too in the coming weeks. Any other notes from either of you around uh, the wide world of sports? Nothing. Beautiful. Randy, I know you always got something over there. What do you what do you got for us? I'm trying to think of something. Um No, I mean uh, I guess one thing cuz um cuz cuz you 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 make you're making me say something. Um I don't know if the NHL does it every year, but the NHL playoffs are like staggered so that the finals the Stanley Cup will be after the NBA finals. Which I don't know if that's new this year, but um, I like that development because um, I know in the past they have overlapped. Um, I someone correct me if I'm wrong if if that's not new and they always do it that way, but it's something I noticed this year. I'm not sure what they do with that. Um, obviously, this year with the uh, basketball playoffs, the NBA playoffs, the well, the play-ins start this week, but the first round, I don't. I think it. I think it's Saturday for most teams. I'm sure there's some teams starting on Sunday, but uh, the NHL still has ten games left in the regular season, so it's definitely going to be a little bit later this year. I think they usually are later because it's always amazing how late 
hockey goes like well into to the end of June. Um, and I guess basketball does sometimes as well. It just depends on how long the series are and stuff like that. But I, I think that's how it normally is. I guess not a not an elite playoff hockey mind, but I, I want to say that's how it usually is. But, uh, yeah. Well, fellas, enjoy the game tonight. I hope by the time everybody is listening to this, the Timberwolves are set for a, a matchup on Saturday in the first round, game one, uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies in a game which I think we, in a series, I think we'd have a chance and they played well against Memphis. Uh, but we'll see what happens. See you all next week. way.